0: Back sure you're an evangelical ex- pastor. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I meant the I story the that I meant the yeah. I was
1: talking about the Nile, oh, <laughs> but that's where I sure, went in my head too. Sure. It was like, it's, oh, oh, golly, uh, but but the idea that like that we like we try and put God's will as like it's just a really good human will is the idea like no 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 no, no. It's, it's a whole different category. the The will of God is something that is so um, like he makes it known to us and that he reveals it to us, but we can't understand it the same way that our dogs can't understand calculus or how a car works. Uh, It's just, it's, it's above and beyond our ability and comprehension and our scope to even approach it. But that we know that it's there that it exists and that he advances his will is good. But, but to say. On the will topic. Yeah.
0: I'm going to break one of my rules. Do it. Normally I I'm like, anytime you're like, yes, but in this language, it means somebody just needs to punch you in the face. So is I'm that- going to hold this Bible in front of my face, what <laughs> I get punched
1: while I say... It's going to turn into a Monty Python script. Um,
0: <laughs> one of the things about, I think that helps us misuse God's will and that whole idea is that depending on what language you're talking about, will either means what you want and you're going to force somebody else to give it to you, or it means... The thing you're passionate about and love. Or it means like it has all these different nuances of like, I want this and I will bend them to my will, is a very German slash American or slash English way of thinking about what that word even means. And so sometimes we misuse it because we read somebody and we're like, Oh, they're talking about God's will. And we're like, Oh no, 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 but no, we're not talking about like God twisted you out of shape to force you to do this. We're saying what we're trying to say is God loves you. That's what it's trying to say.
2: Well, in, and I grew up in the 80s, and uh, <laughs> I know, it's funny, right?
0: Pause, pause for laugh track.
2: <laughs> and, and having grown up in the 80s, I grew up in a world where evangelicals were trying to do God's will all the time because they believed when you do God's will, it works, and you have success. And so everybody was seeking. You know, you didn't want to if – if you didn't seek God's will before you got married – you would marry the wrong girl and then you'd have the wrong children and they would have the wrong children and they would have the wrong children and within about three generations, the whole world's entirely populated by the wrong people.
0: Exactly.
1: Dang. <laughs> the haters... God, just so weak,
0: there's nothing he can do in that situation.
1: The 80s were hard. <laughs> music was good. So
0: the, the other thing I was thinking when you were talking about that um, and the whole James thing is like Baptists at around that time in the 1800s were sending missionaries to India where they would make a printing press or something so they would be able to support themselves and do missions for the entire rest of their lives and never see a single convert. Mm-hmm. And that was just that was Baptist missions in the mid 1800s. Like you'd you'd spend 40 years on the mission field by our definitions a complete failure. <laughs> the end. Yeah. And yeah. like and that's what they that they did not have this attitude that we're talking about that honestly we have all all of us to some extent. Like they, their attitude was hey, this is what God called me to do. I'm going to do it. I did
1: it for 40 years. Success. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> just uh, as an aside, uh, it was just uh, sort of, sort of a byway, but it, it's something I wanted to just take a look at too. Uh, Jonathan, when you were discussing uh, uh, God changing His mind, we we talked about Jonah. Uh, you had a perspective on Jonah I have never heard before, and maybe it's just because I didn't study Jonah closely enough, or I just I, I liked to attribute to him the uh the the character trait of a petulant teenager when it came to uh when it came to whining about god not destroying nineveh and maybe that's just the context of my own work but or like you know like having my kids like but i wanted to see it all blow up uh but you you actually uh gave some interesting context to why jonah was was pitching a fit why jonah ran away in the first place
2: yeah yeah jonah was from israel and Israel was doing bad things and the law said when you do bad things i will bring judgment and um and and he did yeah well assyria was the uh, was the enemy of Israel there were the pagans in the north and man jonah thought boy if i go preach the gospel here they are going to repent and god will use them to judge my nation who is actively disobeying him and he was Exactly right.
1: So he was actually trying to subvert the justice of God by like saying, like, "But if I don't do that, and they don't get the word to like that they're all like you know they're all hosed, and if they don't repent, then they'll get destroyed, and my people get to persist in their evil just a little, little while longer."
2: Well, and he was a prophet, so he was yeah. probably hoping for God's mercy yeah. and and hoping for repentance from his own people.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting because, like, because that is one thing that God did not relent from, in the uh, in the end, it, like it, it took Forever. generations of kings. Well, but I feel it,
2: like I feel like that's in the in the vein, though, of Jesus' story about uh, the rich man and Lazarus.
1: Yes, or yeah. he
2: says, "Hey, send Lazarus back from the dead," and and Abraham says, "If they didn't believe the law and the prophets, they won't believe Lazarus either."
1: Right. Yeah, and it, yeah, it, it took multiple prophets talking to multiple kings and multiple generations of Israel for God to finally say okay this is they're coming you're, and you and and you're going and and as you go I am still yours I'm still faithful to you um plant crops and get ready to live
2: yeah some other day we'll I'll, I'll share the uh, controversial insight I was I recently learned about the Jonah story nice all right
0: <laughs> this wait. is Basically a throwaway <laughs> comment. But on that, we've I've mentioned it a few times, but it really sucks to be a prophet.
1: Oh, man. <laughs> like,
0: going all the way back to, like, quote-unquote pre-proto-prophetic like, intercessors, like, going all the way back to Abraham, go Moses as the archetype. We haven't even gotten to most of the prophets yet, but being God's guy, we're always like, oh, man, God, you do amazing things to me. Like, are you sure? Are you sure that's what you want? <laughs> <laughs> this is... Like, which is, like, to try to bring it around, like, that is the story of Israel, right? Like, they are God's instrument, and why did they need a whole bunch of holiness codes that we're about to get into? And yeah. a tabernacle, because like, being right next to God is not a safe place to be.
2: Yeah. Yes. Like, yes.
0: Being right next to a nuclear power plant. Oh, there's tons of power. But it's not a safe place
1: to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I think, I, I, think I, can, I can pick out one place where there's one prophet who had a pretty decent life. <laughs> and that was, the, that was the guy who worked for David. When, when he went to David and said, hey, so like there's this guy and like he has lots of sheep and he stole sheep from this one guy. He only had one sheep that he loved a whole lot. And why are you such a bad person, my king? <laughs> and David did not shoot the messenger because David had a good heart too got a little lost. But David had a good heart for the whole thing. It was when, when, uh, when Nathan looked at him and said, Hey, you're the man. Um, and not in that whole, like 1980s, 1990s, like you're the man dude. <laughs> like, no, you're the man who messed up and why we're all in trouble now. Um, yeah. but yeah, uh, aside from that one prophet, I just had a beard hair flying in my mouth. <laughs> um, aside from that one, you're absolutely right. The prophets did not have a good life because, and like, you know, look at the, Like the the rest of the time, we'll be talking about the number of times that Moses had to fall on his face yes. in front of God, multiple times. It's just like the first time I read through the entire Pentateuch, I was like, "Man, when is Moses not on his face in front of God because of this thing that happened or to that, protect thing that?"
0: the happened. Israelites who spent most of their time hating him.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it's.
0: I. We've talked about this before. I'm like there's there's a surprising shortage of sermons on, do you want God to use you? No, you do not.
1: <laughs> no, you don't. Okay, so going back to the whole, like, maybe the Catholics did a better thing, <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I took a group of, of students to Joplin, Missouri once, right after they got schlacked by a tornado.
0: That is not at all what I was expecting after the phrase, the Catholics did it better. Keep yeah. going. No,
1: uh, but uh, it's like, so it was, uh, um, uh, it was, it was actually a year after the town got destroyed by oh, half the town got destroyed by a tornado. Big old EF5 monster like it like it ripped the front off of a couple of houses and you like you drove past these houses that looked like looking to a dollhouse. And it was just like epic destruction sort of sort of stuff. And so we went back a year later cuz they still had work they needed to doing. And so I took a group of students there and um uh because I was working for a military community, I also had Catholic students with me. And so the agreement was to take their kids. I had to take them to Mass. Now, I'm I'm, I'm housebroken. I know how to go to Mass. As a non-communicant, I know how to do the whole thing. And uh, what I didn't know is it was Pentecost. And Catholics do Pentecost a little bit differently. They reaffirm their baptism. The way they reaffirm their baptism is the priest walks up the aisle and sprinkles everybody with holy water. I should have known something was up because no one was sitting in the aisle. Everybody was sitting far away from the aisle because, like, I got a face. Full of holy water, uh, but when the, when the priest was giving his homily, he was talking about Pentecost. That's a priest sermon for those of you at home. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, like, like Yeah, like because like Catholics don't like put the the importance on the pulpit that that uh, that evangelicals that Protestants put on it. They, like the the lesson that's given, it's an aside. The most important part of a Catholic mass is the Eucharist, aka the Communion. That's that's the thing that they all show up for. But he's he's still giving his lesson, and he's talking about Pentecost. And he looked at everybody and he said, we are in a building that is not our church. Our church was destroyed last year. I will never again read the idea that when the Holy Spirit shows up in a great wind, that it is a calm and pleasant thing. (laughs) He said, when the Holy Spirit shows up, nothing is going to be the same. You might not even survive it, but you'll be better. I, I, I turned to the lady who was sitting next to me. And I said, if they have an altar call, I'm going, <laughs> <laughs> which it turns out Catholics do have an altar call. It's called Eucharist. You actually, everybody goes up front and gets the thing. But uh, in any case, it's a, uh, it was a, uh, yeah, like, like I said, like I, I had this like aha moment, like, oh, you know, during the Pentecost when the the wind showed up in the room and everything changed. We look at that like, oh yeah, and then like they all went outside with but... oh, oh. I They were immediately accused of being drunk and people started complaining and like but like the church grew and there was like chaos and like they didn't know what they're doing. They're a bunch of like out of work fishermen and carpenters and tax collector. Uh and so yeah, yeah, when when God shows up and starts making his will happen, and if you are right there on the front lines of it, you absolutely have to be connected to him and say, okay, (laughs) please help. And, um, yeah. Okay. So uh, Jonathan, do you have any other like parting shots over the book of Exodus? If like, if someone's listening here and they're about to go back through and read it for the first time, what do you want them to read for? (laughs) Uh,
2: man, I, I would just, I would just encourage them to look for shadows of Jesus in all the pieces that they read. And, and, I don't, and I don't just say that to frustrate Andy. John <laughs> I, uh, I say that because that's how I read everything. That's how I read all, all of Scripture, um, along with a couple other principles. But, uh, but yeah, that's central. That, that, that would be central to how I would read the book. And, and if you were sitting in my church listening to me teach
1: through the book of Exodus, you would see shadows of Jesus everywhere. Awesome, and and Andy, I actually didn't ask you that question last week, but if someone was asking you, what do I need to look for as I read through the Book of Exodus if they're sitting down to study it either for the first time or again? What would you say? Hey, look for this, and look for this to pop up everywhere.
0: I mean, my first question, my first question would be what they'd already read. Okay, all right. Because if, like, if we're going through this, I'm essentially saying let's pretend like all you've read when you get to exodus is the book of genesis Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right so like we're not we're not tying it to jesus not because it's not legitimate we're not tying it to jesus because you haven't read anything about jesus yet (laughs) like you don't have any connections to make right so like depending on what they'd read it is going to connect somehow because it's the same god yes right um and hopefully kind of the overall approach we're doing is try to connect it to the other things you've read like, okay. It is the same God. This is a story. It's trying to tell you something about Him. Good. Figure awesome. out what that is.
1: All right. I, I love it. I love it. All right. So I think we are out of time for today. Thank you everybody for joining us. Jonathan, thank you so much for being here in the costume closet with yeah, us man. as we've we've all started to slowly sweat ourselves into uh, the, the <laughs> wonderful balmy month of August. And uh, we'll we'll be back next week with Ben, and we'll be talking with him uh, on some of the some of the same topics. And uh, um, after that. We're going to start ourselves on a new season. Everyone's favorite book. Everyone's, everyone's favorite favorite book called The Rest of It. Remember, if there's a rule,
2: it's there because someone broke it. <laughs>
1: Whatever that rule may be. Caution, the coffee's hot. Yes, we know. <laughs> so we'll be back with that and some wonderful musings about how did that become a rule. And we'll have some new bumper music because, you know, it's a new season. So, in any case, uh, this has been the Unimposter's Podcast. I'm Davian. I'm Andy. I'm Jonathan. Right, we'll talk to you guys next time.